Welcome back to the Campbell's Gambles podcast, season two, episode 12, proudly sponsored by our good friends at Dabble. Blake, I'm joined by you once again. How was your week, buddy? Pretty good. It's been a, uh, it's been a week of um, enjoyment and success. Had the birthday yesterday. Boston got up in the East and have just won the first game away against Golden State in the championship. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a very enjoyable week. How about yourself? Well, Boston getting it done on your birthday over in America, not in Australia, but they, they rose to the occasion knowing it was the 2nd of June somewhere, which is a very <laughs> special day for Blake Laylor. Um, happy 22nd. Thank you, sir. Thank 22nd. you very much. I was going to say. Hopefully we can continue the celebrations on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I was going to say it was the 21st and I didn't get an invite this one, but um, no, it's 22nd, 22, getting old now, big fella. But <laughs> Yeah, it gets, a bit, it gets a bit anticlimactic after the 21st. It's a bit, they're yeah. a bit more quiet after that, so. <laughs> it's all right, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be following suit eventually and be quite boring from there. But uh, last week, Group 1 races galore. I think we'll start off with probably the most, I'd say, well-known Group 1, the Kingsford Smith. Apache Chase, I think together we had about five or six horses and <laughs> one of them wasn't Apache Chase. So well done to Desley Foster. She won her first group one. How did you see that race pan out? Uh, it was, I mean, sort of just from a neutral perspective, I thought it was a pretty uh, uneventful, boring watch because they all just let Apache Chase go in the lead and then Apache Chase ended up just winning the race because they went, so slowly um even even des des said in the um in the post-race interview she said the exact same thing like they just let apache chase go in the lead and that was the winning of the race so yeah i thought um i thought just from a neutral perspective it was a bit of a bit of a boring watch what about yourself yeah much the same i guess um it was a thrilling finish Mm. Uh, however yeah apache chase Jimmy Byrne, great ride, got away with murder. Out in front, <laughs> flashing light runs everywhere. Palele, huge. Once mm-hmm. again, uh, I thought 11-11 was great. Um, yep. I, I also thought horses like on Trivier, away game, Laura of Indices. Like when you're going down the list, as I am now in punting form, 16 yep. horse field, four lengths covers the lot of them. You know, it's a slowly run race. And the horse yep. that finishes 16th or 16th, by 4.4 lengths actually runs the fourth fastest last 200 meters of the entire race. So yeah. it just shows that, uh, yeah, the leaders kind of got away with absolute mm-hmm. luxury, hell, what do you even call it? Grief. I'm not even too, too sure what to put it. I thought Scalapini there for a second. I thought that was private eye, but it was actually Scalapini loomed to win the race. I was like, well, geez, private eye get, you got this close this quickly. Then I realized, Oh shit, wrong one. Um, yeah. but yeah, Brooklyn hustle once again, just around the money in a group one hasn't had a group one placing. I think that's 15 now, 15 group ones hasn't placed in one of them. Pretty been pretty stiff in a lot of them. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. What about Zaki? Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Well, I mean, face value disappointing. Yeah. Face value disappointing in hindsight though. Like didn't, didn't win the start prior all too well. Um, and the step up, to the 2100 was always like, you know, if you just looked at last run, it's on, you know, sort of from a blank canvas kind of perspective, you didn't know what the, who the horse was or anything like that. It, it's not a, it's not a, a win that you would say, yeah, this horse is going to shit in up 300 meters in, in trip and whatever, and should deserves to be a dollar 20. Um, but, you know, hindsight's a great thing. Yes. Well, I guess it was another one of those races where they sort of didn't really go at any speed up front. And once again, 10 runners, four lengths split the field. My on top selection running four lengths off the winner, running last. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't have any money on Estefany, even though I gave it a little bit of a push. But geez, halfway down the show, I was thinking, 
oh my god, if this thing wins, I'm gonna be so. We ran we ran six, so it was, it was a good enough mm. run. We got to make a custom market for horses at 101 knots run last and see what price we mm. actually get. There might be one of them this week, and maybe we can contact Top Sport or um, Dabble for something. But uh, other than that, New Zealand horse Pinarello won the Derby. Um, yeah. Tough watch for paternal backers yourself being one of them. Yeah, 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 and Kabosh. They were both. They were both like really good runs. Um, but yeah, particularly paternal. But having <laughs> being being on on both of them each way and seeing them run second and third is. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's a bit bit of a bittersweet moment, really. You get both of them to place and neither of them to win. <laughs> so, um, but seeing seeing Pinarello in the yard, I, I couldn't I couldn't let it go around without without having something on it. So I did end up having something on Pinarello. It's just um, disappointing I didn't have it prior to that. But always hard to pick out the New Zealand form and match it up um, coming over to Australia. So it was a tough one on form. But yeah, seeing Pinarello in the yard, it was looked phenomenal so uh, that was an obvious one for me yes and the, and the jockey retired during the week after a group mm. one win went out uh, on a high can't really i think as a jockey if you get into that age you can't really go out on a better on a better note than one of your own kiwi bred horses yeah definitely i think that's the right that, that's the right way to do it yeah you'd rather do that than get beat on an odds on shot in a maiden somewhere and <laughs> uh, it's over i'm over it's done i don't want to be involved yeah. anymore enough <laughs> that race the first five runners pinarello paternal kibosh dark destroyer southern stock all new zealand bred so mm. um i guess that that came to the four there late in that race other than that mm-hmm. we've got four races to cover so we've got to head straight into rose hill track conditions weather and bias weather was 16 degrees and sunny which is today and tomorrow rails out three meters tracks currently a heavy eight Probably gets to a soft seven come tomorrow. Any expected track buyers? Um, typical, typical Rose Hill bias, I guess. Well, I mean, there hasn't really been a typical Rose Hill bias of late, has there? But um, yeah, if it's if it's as wet as a heavy eight or you know into the bottom of a soft, uh, the soft range, it probably play more towards the leaders. Hmm. I suspect. Do you agree? Uh, I'm I'm kind of off that statement to be honest with you. I I <clears throat> the last couple of Rose Hill meetings has only been about two or three in the last three months, but significantly the one a fortnight ago when the rail was in the true position, you wanted to be four, five, six lanes off the inside rails. Not one leader that railed up won the race. Even horses going down the back straight, they were literally trying to jockeys were trying to be two or three off the off the fence. Um, there were a few horses that sat outside the lead, got to the crown of the track and won races. However, I didn't think it was advantage. A lot of horses, I feel like this week at Rose Hill, there'll be a lot of form reversals because a lot of horses mm. drew barriers one, two, three, four, went back to the inside and just got stuck in stuck in the quicksand. Uh, yep. We won't be speaking much about Rose Hill. We've only got one race to cover. And I don't think any of those horses that I do speak of are in this race. Um, but yeah, I think you want to be, I don't think it'll be, too bad to be too far back tomorrow let's just say that i'm not going to say they're going to swoop but if you can sit midfield possibly outside um on the outside part of the track i think you'll get to the best part of the track yeah all righty race five winner cup listed race over the 2400 meters for the stayers smart looking gilding here from ireland military mission is a long odds on favorite currently a dollar 70 with our friends at dabble who do you got leading this race up and, and where do where does the main chance military mission get to? Uh, well, the only real speed, I think, in the race is just military mission and Taikamachi. We all know Taikamachi will, um, will be up there and um, both the Waterhouse and Bot trained horses. It's no surprise that the two that look to be the speed influences um, being out of the same stable, I suspect they won't be going hammer and tongs at each other but um yeah i think those are the two those are the two that will be leading it up military mission i guess will just sit outside taikamachi or if taikamachi does go hard enough just take the sit in behind it yeah i agree with you i think this race is going to be i was gonna say run at absolute walk but saying run would be a would be an absolute um i think 
looking at this race, there's no speed whatsoever in it. So yeah. um, I think, yeah, both the runners, whether military mission crosses Taikamochi or, or vice versa, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> this race could literally just turn into a 600-meter sprint at the, at the turn. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, agreed. Military mission, $1.75. First question is back or lay? And what do you reckon? Do you reckon he drifts or do you reckon he firms in the market? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say back. Um, and I, I can't see him really drifting too much. I mean, maybe, maybe just black odds potentially, um, depending on sort of how he's, how he's going before the race and how the, the races before this look, uh, in terms of, the race pattern, the track pattern and that sort of thing. But I don't think it'll drift much. Like he's he's a dollar seventy five if he drifts yeah. I don't think I think you'd be lucky to get black odds really. So I'm gonna say back and um if anything he'll shorten. Mm. Do you agree? I agree with the back, but and I am going to back. I'm just going to hold my my powder. I just think there's a few horses in this market that are getting a bit of money and they're getting very well respected. Uh, Alakahan being one of them that we might talk about um, shortly, um, as well as Irish Week sequel and Papalino. So I think I think military mission could easily start 210, 220 here. And I think that's, I think $1.75 is over, to be honest with you. He, in my opinion, looks the lightly race stayer in this field. If you look through his recent form lines, he just got beat by Hamron, who looks a really progressive type. And then three lengths behind him was Bonnie Ezra, who's actually second favorite in this race. Funnily enough, due to the set weight scale of this race, Bonnie Ezra actually meets his scallop of three kilos worse off and he has to make up Mm. three kilos. So obviously Bonnie Ezra beat Kabosh. Kabosh was a bit unlucky last week in in the Queensland Derby. So I think that form is just stacking up more so a military mission side than, than Bonnie Ezra. Um, and other than that, I can make a small case for Alakahan dropping back um, to Sydney, back to listed level, comes out of that group three race last week, quick backup, query on the heavy track a little bit. It's a tough one. Like looking at it off just, you know, four starts, nothing on heavy, but getting deeper into that, you know, he's had he's had two runs at group level and he's run fourth both times on the heavy track. So he could be the knockout, but I just think he's, He's almost too dour. Um, I think Military Mission has a better sprint on him. So mm. I'll be very surprised to see any of these horses beat Military Mission. I think all of the other horses in the race, they've found their mark, whereas he's the one that has significant upside and could easily be a Cups horse in six months' time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, just going back as well to the Benchmark 78 form prior to that hammer-on race that you mentioned. Obviously, that was Benchmark 78 as well. It's all Benchmark 78 form, but... Beating Sound of Cannons has, has turned out to be pretty good form as well. And main stage before that, they're both good horses. So um, even the form prior to that hammer-on race, beating Bonnie Ezra uh, looks good on paper uh, with both of those horses, main stage and Sound of Cannons going going pretty well. So um, yeah, I, I agree. I think military missions are one to beat. And yeah, even though we disagree on whether or not it'll drift, I, I don't think it will really matter at the end of the day. He should be winning as long provided everything sort of goes to plan. Yeah. All right. Enough of Rose Hill. Best of luck to everyone betting there. We're going to head to Hong Kong now. Blake has a horse for us to follow. I do. Um, we're going, well, we actually, we, we saw, we saw a result uh, last week. I had, um, I had cheerful days in the feature race on Sunday. And uh, I did say, he was, he was a good chance. He'd be probably an each way price. Um, and that he was, yeah, one of the main hopes in the race. He, he jumped, not sure whether he actually got it into double figures, but he was pretty close to it if he wasn't. And, um, I thought was, was a little bit unlucky to run second, um, sort of nothing, um, nothing insane. If when, you know, if you watch the replay, it's just sort of the rate, the way the race set up. Um, it's set up better for the winner than it did for Cheerful Days, who was pretty good cutting back to the inside and um, running home late for second. So it was a nice each way, each way play if anyone got on that. And um, yeah, so we so we move on from that. And this weekend on Sunday, I'm going to race nine, looking at um, 
Golden Empire, number four. Zach Purton's aboard, and uh, he's been aboard a few times this horse. He's, he's ridden its last two runs, and it's lost by a nose both times. Um, I, I'm of the opinion that this race is more winnable than Golden Empire's last race. Um, I really like the form. Out of his last race, there were a few horses in that that looked pretty talented, including the winner, Beauty Live. Um, obviously, like I said, Golden Empire only lost by a nose to that horse. Uh, third was Oriental Smoke, who's been going really well. Um, he's pretty much his whole career. He's only had a short career in Hong Kong, but yeah, he looks promising as well. Um, and if you sort of work your way back through that field, it was um, a pretty, pretty talented field compared to this field anyway. I think um, this is a more winnable race. The horse is drawn barrier eight, which is... Um, which is worse than he, he was drawn last time, barrier three. But I don't think it should matter too much. I think, um, I think you know, if, if you're going to have any jockey drawn slightly wide, it's not really that wide um, in a 14-horse race. Uh, but if you're going to have any jockey aboard drawn out, you want Marrero or Purton because they know how to find um, find a spot for the, these horses. And uh, provided Purton does get a spot too wide, I think Golden Empire is the one to beat in the race. Um I don't think you'll be getting any any sort of a crazy price, but there are a few horses who um, who are coming off wins and good runs, uh, as well as Sight Spirit, who's drawn barrier one for Marrero. So I think they'll be taking up a bit of the market. So you might get a decent price, but um, I do expect favoritism for Golden Empire, but um, I do expect him to be winning as well. So that's the horse that I'll be mentioning for, for Sunday. Beautiful. Listeners, write that one down. That's Tin race nine, number four, Golden Emperor. Uh, Empire, sorry, Emperor. What was I thinking of Emperor? It's like, is there another Emperor horse in Hong Kong now that's going well? Possibly. Who knows? There are too many. <laughs> they got, they got the most, they've got the most bizarre names. It's impossible to get them right every time. Even I stuff them up when I do the write-ups. <laughs> Happy win-win. We move on to Eagle Farm. Track conditions, <laughs> weather, bias, track assessment, weather, 22 degrees and sunny. Rails out two metres. Track is currently a good four, probably... Stays a good four, possibly gets into a good three. Depends how much irrigation goes on the track. Expected track bias, Blake? Um, I think I think it'll be really interesting to see how the track does play on Saturday. I, I'm, I'm not sure how it will play this early, this far out, um, because we have had the racing on the track already. Um, so it'll be, yeah, I, I honestly... It, I'd probably have a better chance picking it by throwing a dart at a dartboard. Um, but do you, do you have do you have any um, any guesses of what the, how the track will be, Jason? Because I definitely don't. Well, it was a touch leaderish last week. Mm. Uh, was that because of the tempo in some races? Yes. Yeah. Not like we saw many of them just absolutely thunderbolt home down the outside, um, especially in the big races, um, which are the races we are covering. So unless mm. there is good tempo in the race, I think you want to be up near the speed, which might be completely, I'm going against that in the first race I'm covering. But um, yeah, I think I'd rather be rather be close to the speed this week mm. at Eagle Farm. Um, anyway, we'll move Yeah, on. I think it, it, it ended up a good three last weekend as well, which I thought was kind of interesting because the track during the week, I think even when we did the podcast was in the soft range, if mm. I'm not mistaken. And um if I had to guess, I suspect that because it was already wet, they probably wouldn't have watered it too much, um, which could have sort of played a part in why the track did end up drying out so much because it they didn't water it and so it dried out more than they expected. Um, and this weekend, I, I don't think they'll the same thing will happen. So if the track does stay a little bit, well, it does have a little bit more give in it because they, they try to keep it that way, um, you might see a sort of a more even bias than than a leaderish bias but yeah like i said i'm better off just throwing a dart at dartboard at this stage yeah it's tough eagle farm's been a hard track for me to get a bloody gauge on sometimes i sometimes i feel like there's a there's a genuine bias for horses that perform well at the course something well that's not even there sometimes i don't know i really can't get my head around eagle farm there's some other tracks <laughs> like you know randwick rose hill even even flemington and caulfield caulfield's hard enough actually sometimes jesus mm. um anyway enough track talk we're going to race six national classic wait for age level you might as well have this a bloody group one it's worth five hundred thousand dollars um i think that's 400k to the winner was it sorry 300k to the winner sorry geez only 300k to the winner um 
I, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there's some group ones that aren't even worth bloody 300k yeah. seven, but regardless, Chris Waller has an absolute stranglehold in this race. He has three of the four main hopes in the betting, but he doesn't have the favorite in Bell plus who's currently $4 with Dabble. Are you with one of Chris Waller's mounts or are you going elsewhere? I am. I am with uh, with one of his runners. And I think um, having looked at this race quite a bit, that it's a fairly skinny race. Um, I've, I've singled out the top two or apart from the favorite, obviously, which is Bill Placier, the, uh, the, the two and the three, Kiku and a tissue. I... I sort of identified those as the main two hopes on their form. Um, and I thought that Kiku was the, was going to be the one to beat here. Um, do you, do you have a different opinion, Jason, or do you, do you agree with that? I am with the Chris Waller, all, uh, Chris, Chris Waller. I am with the Chris Waller. I am with a Chris Waller runner also. However, out of three, oh, there's four in the race. Sorry, apologies. But out of the three main chances, who would have thought I'd be against you? Um, and I'm with none. <laughs> I'm with Nudge. Uh, I think she is the quality mare in the race. No disrespect to Kiku and uh, Tissue. Um, but I just think Nudge was really good there first up on a heavy track where she hasn't necessarily in the past really excelled on. Um, all of her four wins are on good tracks. However, I just really like the way she finished off there over the last 100 metres in the Hawkesbury Crown Group 3 race. Steps up here to the mile, so she's absolutely going to relish that. She's already had two starts to the track for a win and a second. She came second in the Tats Tiara behind Wonder Mare Tafane last year, around this time last year. Um, and before that, she stormed home over the 1600s behind Yamazaki and Rocket Clock. So I think that's good enough form. She does get back here, so I sort of go, as I said, I was going to go against myself here in the first race in regards to the bias that could possibly be present. However, I think uh, Denzavar, Bell Plasir, and Jesus, I hate to be a commentator for this race. <laughs> We've already done a good job of butchering the, <laughs> yeah. butchering the line up there. Sorry, Denzavar, Zenifar, sorry, couple buddy. Anyway, um, yeah, I just, I just think she gets, yeah, I've just completely lost my marbles right now. Anyway, I just think she gets back and runs on and possibly just steams over the top of them. No disrespect to Kiku. Or a tissue. Um, I'm just really interested to see if there's going to be any mistakes here from commentators with uh, these names. <laughs> Actually, quite a tricky race. You've got Yamazaki, Bell Plus, Weird, Plus, Plus, uh, Anyway, take it away. I'm just making a mock of this. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. Well. Uh, to be honest, I don't. I don't rate Xenophile. I don't rate Yamazaki. I don't rate Bell Plus, Um. And I haven't butchered any of their names either. So. Um. Uh, yeah, like I said, I singled out Kiku and a tissue. Um, I only I only really liked the tissue on on his last run. I thought that was or on her last run. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, those closing splits. That last section was like eleven twenty eight on a heavy, on a heavy track, which is like unheard of. Um, but Kiku, or they they their, their form lines sort of tie in because Kiku ran fifth behind Rustic Steel last time uh, at Gosford on a soft track and a tissue ran third to rustic steel uh, at scone. Now, when you sort of analyze the weights um, it's a bit complicated because they ran in different races and rustic steels weight was, um, was slightly different, but their weights sort of even out so that Kiku gets a little bit better in the weights um, here, just on that matchup that sort of you can tie in with rustic steel. And I thought Kiku was a little bit unlucky uh, at Gosford, just getting too far back. Uh, from barrier two and and was just sweating on a run for too long when it when it sort of eventually came um she was making ground but it was it was too little too late in my opinion from barrier two there uh i really liked the trial uh behind miss j fox he's a hotshot nick talk at warwick farm leading up to this run and i think with j mac on for waller from barrier one you pretty much pretty much got the prime set up there there's not really much more you could ask for um for any horse running in any race that's sort of the ideal setup that you'd want j mac barry one chris waller um they're they're all phenomenal uh, phenomenal statistics to have or characteristics to have going into the race so i think kiku deserves to be favorite and and just on the form that rustic steel form tied in a tissue i really like that form with O president running second old flame third um that's 
all those horses are going really well, especially Rustic Sue, who won the race. And then you go back before that, Kiku lined up in the Doncaster, which is A1 form, Mr. Brightside on Thunderstruck and drew barrier 17. It was a complete just forget run. Like Linda Meach was aboard, um, obviously not a regular jockey. J-Max ridden for five starts on Kiku for two wins and two, two minor placings. So you've got a much better booking on, and he knows the horse much better than Linda Meach does. But from barrier 17 in the Doncaster, Kiku just went all the way back to last and, you know, made up a little bit of ground late, but just it was, yeah, it was a forget run, um, really. And then you go back before that, former round promise of success, Vangelic, um, in group two at Newcastle. That was the that was the race that was um, abandoned from Randwick, I believe, and then rescheduled to Newcastle on a Monday. Um, that was that was a phenomenal run as well. So I think Kiku's going really, really well. I wouldn't look at those last two runs, a, a donut and a five next to her name and think that she's sort of tapered off or anything like that. The trial suggests that uh, the same thing. And yeah, with the setup that she's got, I think I think she's really the one to beat for this race uh, by, by quite a margin. I do respect Nudge. Um, obviously, Jason, you mentioned uh, those, those sort of the runs that Nudge had a while ago, but um, just, yeah, sort of on recent form, I thought Kiku was the standout here. Um, and at $4.50 favourite um, with, with most bookies, I think that's I think that's a pretty attractive bet for me. All right, beautiful. We'll move on to Eagle Farm Race 8, the Morton Cup listed race, sorry, Group 2 race over the 1,200 metres. the old boy, is on top here for Dabble, $3.60, heads the betting, baller at $6.50, shooting for gold at $6.50 as well. All right, speed in the race. Where's it coming from, Blake? Where's it coming from? Um, prime, Well, Prime Candidate will definitely be going forward uh, from the wide gate. But apart from that, I don't think there's really any, at least I can't really identify any, any out and out out leaders in this race so i'm not sure if prime candidate will, will cross that easily um depends i guess if anything else wants to sort of kick up underneath him from barrier 10 but prime candidate is definitely a horse that that rolls likes to roll forward but apart from that i i'm not sure how much speed there is in the race do you, are there any others that you would suggest will uh will be up there jason um the horse that i'm with in this race i think will actually go up and contest for the lead uh and i just it was more so just a, a gear malfunction that had her not uh, contesting for the lead. And that is Babylon Berlin for Tony Pike. Ben Thompson jumps on board this time. Uh, she drew 10 or 15 in the Bright Shadow listed race at Eagle Farm about three weeks ago now. Uh, and she was well backed in that race. She actually started a fall of favourite. Um, and funnily enough, 100 metres into the race, James McDonald lost his offside steer-up iron. So basically, she she was never really given a chance to get into the race one. It was disgustingly terrible conditions. And with a gear malfunction just like that early in the race, she was kind of out of play the whole way. She actually did travel into the race well enough. And I just think a race like this where it is set weights and penalties – She's 100 radar. She's getting in with 54 and a half on her back, as is Wonderbar, to be honest with you. But I just feel like she's the one that's sort of gone underneath their guard. There has been a bit of money for her, $9.50 to $8. Um, but she gets back on a firm track. She draws a much better barrier. With less speed in the race, she can settle much further. And if you look at her form over in New Zealand, she's run third to Levantine Rock and Horse. Obviously, both those horses came here and uh, Quinella that group one race down the Flemington straight. She's also ran third to Entrevier Levante, and she's also won a group three race. So she has a one form in New Zealand and there's no reason why she cannot be competitive in this race. Just happy to completely scrap that run first up. Uh, mentioned to Kamantari, thought it was a forgivable effort in that group one Doombin 10,000. They just went helter skelter in front um, on the wet track. He kind of, not that he isn't a wet track horse. He has proven in the past that he can be a wet track horse. But when they go that fast, sometimes you just 
the wheels start spinning and you can't just give up some horses yeah. and it just looked like yeah just, oh like, well, yeah it, it looked like he got a little bit lost back in the ruck as well yeah so it's hard you know like if i was a horse i wouldn't really like to be back in the ruck on a heavy tenor eagle thumb being <laughs> spat up on my face and everything you know god knows what's got to be stuck in your nostrils and your mouth and you're trying to breathe but um <laughs> yeah, the kickback was pretty intense so old kamatari he's already done his job for the stable and connections 2.6 million dollars he thought he'd just you know have a have an off day and come back here but um yeah babylon berlin ten dollars for me what about you Bog? uh well you, you you briefly mentioned the horse that i'm a little bit interested in here um not with i i, I can't really choose anything with any real confidence in the race but the horse that stood out to me the most was wonderbar um at almost double figures here um i think she gets in 54 kilos pretty well um and the see the reason why i'm not super confident is because i know that she'll well, she definitely won't be uh, right right up the front and if there's no speed on in the race um it might be difficult for her to get into it late but with Pikey aboard, I think um, she'll have a chance if they do go fast enough to, to sort of let those back markers into the race. And I think she'll be one of the ones closing off the best. So um, so if they do happen to go fast, I think she'll just about be the one to beat. If you work, if you look sort of back and back through a form, it's it's really quite strong. Um, you get back to the Coolmore at Rose Hill behind Lighthouse, Mirror Vision. Um, and before that, beat Nimely, who who's come out of one um a little bit a little bit more recently um but then the three runs since those two runs they've all been on completely bottomless tracks um and she hasn't been far away in any of them beaten by about a length every time so um she's clearly going really really well um and i think she'll go well again and at nine dollars fifty i think she's backable i think Personally, I'm of the opinion that um, that she's one of sort of the main three or four chances in the race who, you know, Kamantari is definitely one of them. But I think those ones are sort of being more respected by the market, whereas Wanderbar's sort of those double-figure odds and is sort of at a similar, has a similar chance in the race, uh, in my opinion anyway. So I think those double figures are quite attractive, especially if, um, like I said, she does get a few favours and luck goes away a bit, she might end up getting into the race. So, um, but yeah, not not a heap of confidence, but yeah, I think she's the overs for me. So, wonderful we'll for see. Blake in the Morton Cup. All right, we'll move on to the race of the day: the Queensland Oaks for three-year-old fillies over the twenty-two hundred metres at Group One level. Gypsy Goddess um very very good run in the oaks down in um randwick has her favorite in this race four dollars 40 with double draws wide here just got to pose a question blake are you with the goddess are you against the goddess is she a back is she a lay it, there's gonna there are gonna be very few occasions where gypsy goddess is a back for me purely because of her racing pattern and because she, I don't think she will ever draw a good barrier in her life, mm. <laughs> ever. And this is by far the worst one she's drawn. But I don't, yeah, I, it's just as favourite with 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 a racing pattern like she's got and drawing absolutely horrible draws. It's it's just a very very low percentage play, and it turns me off every time. So. If she was, you know, touching double figures, which is, you know, only the fourth favourite is is close to double figures in this race because it's such a, a big field and a competitive race. If she was more around that price, I'd be a little bit more interested. But at $4, whatever it is, uh, not for me. I, I know you are uh, you disagree with me, Jason, so, so go on and give her a bit of a spruik. Yeah, well, I, I feel like you've been a bit harsh saying with her racing pattern. I don't think it's her fault that she keeps drawing wide. But... um. She can go forward. I don't want her to go forward. Uh, I, I, and I find the 2200 start at Eagle Farm isn't too um, concerning. She's not going to be in barrier 22. There are five emergencies in this race. She'll, she'll be barrier 17 or 18, which doesn't make her much better. But she will go back. Um, and I feel like she is the strongest horse in this race. I think she's the best horse in this race. And I think she's by quite some 
some length, really, to be honest with you. Like, a lot of these horses are coming through that lead-up race, the Roses um, for, for the Phillies and Group 2 level. It was a bit of a bunch finished. And to, in my opinion, it looked like a sprint home. Um, the figures don't necessarily say that. It was actually a solidly enough run race. It wasn't anything fast, but it was moderately run. But if you just watch the way Barb Raider, Bella Savoie, Smirk, Jim Martini, horses like that, they're just kind of sprinting to the line. So I don't think they've had that staying test. Um, and I just feel like if you watch uh, Gypsy Goddess's run in the Gold Coast bracelet, she was the one who was obviously the unlucky runner, her own doing. Um, but she beat home a lot of those horses quite convincingly. The only horse she didn't beat home was Dynasties, but... I can guarantee you of an extra 20 metres, she would have beat that Galloper home. W Pike on board, uh, you know, I think he's probably one of the best jockeys for backmarkers, in my opinion. Not sure if he still is, haven't been watching too closely, but obviously when he's in WA, you wouldn't you wouldn't be too worried about being on W Pike on a backmarker around Belmont. But um, yeah, she'll get back. She'll need luck. She'll need to run on. But yeah, obviously Blake Blake has a few at, at odds that he likes, um, but I think that'd have to be good enough to hold her out. Yeah, yeah. Well, they definitely will. Um, it's just like I said, if if yeah, look, if Gypsy Goddess gets up, um, good on her. But at four dollars forty, I'd rather not take the chance that she doesn't. Um, just with yeah, like I said, the the um, the risks involved. So. The way I've looked, the way I've looked at the race is to try and find something that'll be a little bit closer, has a little bit of, bit of a better map, um, and is is at much much better odds. Um, and the one that I singled out out of that uh, roses race, the one the one that sort of stood out to me the most for uh, for today's setup and out of the, and for that run was uh, Lavilli. I like I love the fact that she's drawn barrier two here and is like phenomenal odds she's she's over 15s um which is which is really good considering she's drawn barrier two and was it was interesting last run um she closed off really well but from the barrier she ended up behind barb raider um who she was gaining on in the straight um but i think it just really just came down to the fact that Barb Raider had a more prominent position from the start of the race, um, which was definitely down to the fact that Barb Raider had barrier three there. Now, Barb Raider's drawn, what, 11. Belle Savoie was in the race as well, ran second, is now drawn 17. And Belle Savoie had barrier one that day. Um, and Smirk ran third, had barrier four and is now drawn barrier 16. So every single one of those horses that ran first, second, and third is, is drawn ridiculously worse than, than it was on that day. And you've got Lavilli who was drawn barrier eight and is now drawn barrier two. So basically just flips with all, all those horses that beat her home. Um, and I think, yeah, from barrier two, she'll be able to sit a bit closer. Um, she'll definitely get one of the runs of the race. And provided she gets the gaps late, I think she can turn the tables on all of those horses um, especially if they get tougher runs from their wide barriers, which doesn't look unlikely, let me put it that way. So considering Barb Raider's six bucks, Belsa buys into single figures, Smirk is a similar price to Lavilli. I think Lavilli is the bet out of those and out of that form line. So I'm definitely interested in Lavilli. And the other horse that I just want to mention is Glint of Hope. Um, the last, her, her last run in, um, in, South Australia beating Barb Raider looked, if you watch back uh, the replay, it looked like a really smart ride by Daniel Moore. And it looked like she was just lucky to get the gaps, get the run of the race and just beat home Barb Raider, who did a lot more work um, and, you know, had to sort of tough it out and just got beat on the line. But I think, well, I know that, the Busted and Young team have a really, really good opinion of this horse, Glen of Hope, because I've I've heard them multiple, multiple times say that they thought Glen of Hope was their best chance on numerous days where they had plenty of runners going round. And they've they've loved talking up this horse on on many occasions. So I know they have a good opinion of Glen of Hope, and I know that she's a good horse. She's a group one winner um, in her own right. So 
She does have barrier 14, but I think she's worth it, worth a shot um, at $13. I think she can, she can step up and show that, you know, she is one of the best uh, three-year-old fillies in, in this season for this season. Um, I think on that last run, she does have to improve sort of to the eye, uh, but I think she's got it in her to do it. So Glen of Hope and Lavilli were the two main, uh, main betting propositions for me. And then, I thought Jim Martini was maybe worth a spec as well at um at big big odds as well. So those are the three for me, I think. All right. Perfect segue for our hundred dollar competition. We're gonna have a hundred dollars on our bets for the Queensland Oaks. I'll let you kick us off, Blake. Yep. Well, those three horses that I just mentioned, I'm gonna have 20 each way on the Villy. I'm gonna have 20 each way on Glen of Hope. And like I said, just a spec each way on Jim Martini, 10 each way. $100 on the nose, Gypsy Goddess. Um, I think best horses win races like this. Um, I just, I just think, I don't think she can, I don't think she can generally get unlucky in this race. I, I think it, you have to ride her arrogantly. You have to take her to the middle of the track. Um, and yeah, she's going to have to get past 18 horses, but I think she's good enough to do so. Uh, best bets around the country. You go first, sir. What do you like? Value, best, anything, anything for the battlers. <laughs> well, um, I was I was trying to dig up the um the horses that I mentioned from last week because I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we had a decent result and um I'm, they're just loading up now so if you hold on yeah well I had um I had Kiss Summit at Eagle Farm ran second that I think Kiss Summit ended up jumping about fifteen bucks Surreal Step was phenomenal winning at Randwick beating Andermatt um at the same sort of price around double figures. Um, and the, <laughs> the horse I was hesitant to mention last week, Art Cadeau, absolutely walked in. Um, a massive, massive uh, turn, of, turn of form there. Just, um, yeah, completely flipped the form guide on its head and, um, and, yeah, walked in that race and was in my black book. So I was, I was a little bit disappointed I didn't mention that one on the podcast. But I'm sticking with the black book again um, on Saturday. And I've got plenty of horses um, to mention, but a few, a particularly, particularly one that I'm really, really interested in um, running is racing at Flemington uh, in race eight over the 1400 meters and goes by the name of it's our time. The eight next to his name last start is it, it's, it's so close to a bloody lie. It's ridiculous. Like I don't think I've seen a horse get that unlucky for a very, very long time, if ever. Um, go back and watch that race if, if you want on racing.com. Down the Flemington Straight, just absolutely, it was a, it was a sure winner if it got don't out. I'm that. certain excuse of it. Excuse me, excuse me, Black, I'm going to butt in. Don't watch that race because that was just sick. You don't want to be You'll sick. cry. If you had money on It's Our Time and you didn't cry, you're you're psychopathic. Painless, heartless. <laughs> yeah, it was pain. It was, it was, yeah, it was a very, very tough watch. And, I was on him. He's been in my black book before that. Um, fourth to ranting in a benchmark hundred before that. Second to extreme warrior before that. Um, second down the straight to Hal Vorson before that. Scorched earth. Not to be missed. The form for It's Our Time is really, really strong. Um, and yeah, like I said, basically should have won last start. Um, you're not getting any any anything crazy at Three dollars forty, but I think he wins that race. And funnily enough, Cherry Tortoni is in my black book as well in the same race. But um, I definitely prefer it's our time on its last run. And I think John McNeil on, um, he he won't he won't be making the same mistake twice. I think it's our time will be winning. So that's since the main one I mentioned. One second, since you mentioned Cherry Tortoni, I have a debate to end. I have a debate to end in regards to Cherry Tortoni's last win. Blake, do you reckon Cherry Tortoni was unlucky not to win last time? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, I do. Only because... Oh, fuck her out. This debate's going to last forever then. Jesus. Well, it's like... No, it's, it's very... It's so let me put it this way. Do you think Bel Placier was lucky to win on, that, on the day? Got the run of the race... The, the heavens opened up on the inside and shot through and won by 0.1 of a length. If you think Belpasir was lucky to win, then I guess the 
other the flip side of that is Cherry Tortoni was unlucky to lose. Do you see what I'm saying? No, I see what you're saying. I, I just personally think Bell plus Weir, I keep saying this from name wrong. <laughs> BP Fuel beats Cherry Tortoni fair and square. Behind it in running, yes, the gates of heaven open up, but God, goodness gracious me, Cherry Tortoni had the gates of heaven open up too. And I don't want to hear none of this bullshit like, oh, we went for the jockey, they went for the horse too late and blah, 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 blah. Through the line, BP Fuel was about one kilometre in front of it. Oh, <laughs> some guy was like, I was on Cherry Tortoni, I was home for all money, the retard jockey didn't get into it early enough and blah, 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 blah. All that. that is criminal pocket talk in my opinion. Criminal. Anyway, I'm glad. Yeah, uh, that sounds a bit harsh. Sounds a bit harsh on the jockey and the horse to me, but yeah. I think Belplacier was still lucky to get those, um, get that sort of a run. And yeah, like you said, Cherry Tortoni was a little bit lucky too. But I think if they ran it again and Belplacier was on the outside, I think Cherry Tortoni wins the race. That's my opinion. So mm-hmm. anyway, we can uh, we can agree to disagree anyway, but um, it won't matter because it's our time. We'll be beating Cherry Tortoni in race eight at Flemington. Um, so that's that's definitely my my most favoured black booker for. Um, for the Saturday, do you have do you have one that you really like or stands out to you, Jason? Well, I'm just glad Cherry Tortoni and all the mug punters out there can just lump into him, and we can just hammer it's our time because this is going. To <laughs> Go on, say Cherry Tortoni was unlucky, got run of the race. Come on now, come on. He was traveling into the race. He didn't let down. He didn't let down whatsoever. Piss off, piss off with you and your Cherry Tortoni. I'm actually pissed off about it. it actually, does get fired up. Um, race nine, Rose Hill. A very promising galloper coming back into the fray of things for Chris Waller, Irish galloper Wicklow. Hasn't been seen for almost 12 months. But if you look at the form that he amounted when in Australia, first preparation, maiden win, Newcastle, 1600 meters, tick, beat home PK's legacy, who has since gone on to go through his grades Wednesday and Saturday, tick. Next up, runs into too much caviar, uh, too much caviar always on show, bolting, tick. Next up, Crystal Pegasus smashes him. What has Crystal Pegasus done since? One, two listed races this time in. Tick. Then bumps into Steely and Lakeen. What has Lakeen and Steely done? Steely, Goulburn Cup winner. Tick. Benchmark 88, Saturday winner. Tick. Lakeen, Flemington, Melbourne Cup Day winner. Oh, the form is stacking up left, right, and center around this horse. Three starts on the track for two wins and a third. Very quiet trial. Find it very interesting. Chris Waller only gave this bloke one trial. That says to me, it's got to go one or two ways, but he's been so hard in the market that I reckon this is a, it doesn't, Chris Wall doesn't generally get kills for his horses, but geez, this looks like a bit of a sting here. And I just think the market is very much so overrating King of Clubs, the import from Great Britain. Go watch Mm. his trial. It was phenomenal to the eye. Yes, yes, yes. Blah, blah, blah. However, look at the horses he raced against. The Milky Bar Kid has since come out. Lost as a $1.20 favorite at Gosford in a maiden. Zen Time has since come out as a $4 favorite. Lost by nine lengths in a maiden at Goulburn or whatever the hell it was. And then the other, the fourth <laughs> horse, I forgot its name, but he also lost in a maiden. He beat maiden horses. Like, come on now. Come on now. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. King of Clubs goes back to last. Doesn't even run a place. Laying the place. He's useless. Wicklow all day, babe. Right. Wicklow all day. I'm going to add to this this race, Jason. I'm going to throw a little bit of uh, magic dust on the race. If anyone's into the exotics, I've got the trifecta for United Power and Ida. Are both oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, I love it already. Knight of Power is going phenomenally well. That win uh, beating Quintello was, was good last start. And Quintello is a really, really talented horse on the up as well. Um, so Knight of Power will be running well. Dylan Gibbons, Barrier 14, those are the, those are the tricky... Um, the tricky characteristics that, that Knight of Power's got to deal with. Um, you've got a, an apprentice jockey from a wide gate, but I think Knight of Power will be running well. And Ida is is flying. Like Ida is just going so well, so consistent. Um, like yeah, similar, similar story to Knight of Power. I don't know if they'll be winning, especially with the the form and um and the setup that Wicklow brings into the race, which Jason's spoken enough about. But yeah, I think those two horses, Knight of Power and Ida, will be the ones running second and third. So have a little cheeky play on that if you uh if you game. Could not agree anymore, honestly. Ida, I think Ida runs second in this race or, or, or third tonight of power. That form is stacking up that midweek form. Niffler looks very hard to beat tomorrow. Fun mm-hmm. point came out, 
absolutely bolted in in a canter and basically signed autographs down the outside fence at Warwick Farm. So um, good to get your hoove on the on the on the ink there. Fine point, but uh, yeah, I take. Definitely. I yeah, uh, Niffler Niffler will be hard to beat on in that race as as you uh, segue me into another another black book adjacent. But why ha ha falls, mm. man? That um that second to bring the ransom looks real good now, um in in January. So yeah, those those two horses Niffler and why ha ha falls will be the the horses I'm interested in, in that race. But yeah, I've got an I've got an endless black book this Saturday, so the list just goes on and on. I reckon I could talk for hours about all the horses in here. So you can's racing at Morfordville in race seven as well, and that horse was that horse that was a that was a really tough watch uh, last time for ninth. The ninth, the, yeah, the ninth is almost as bad a lie as it's our times eighth um, down the Flemington Strait. So I'd be I'd be keeping a close eye on so you can at much much better odds than, um, yeah, than it than it deserves really. Proper horse, so you can. I remember I backed it on debut. Stiff. Mm. Go back mm. and watch that replay on debut. Why why you watch <laughs> why you watch the one that Blake talked about far out? Hashtag yeah. stiff at back Lavar. Balaclava, Baklava, wrong one, wrong, wrong dessert. Then it came yeah, it out. It doesn't matter how you say it. Boom, it still there. It's all sweet. It's all sweet. But um, yeah. that's that's about it, Blake. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't, know, don't keep don't keep me talking. I won't stop. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be coming <laughs> coming races one to ten at Morpherville if we keep talking. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's it, Blake. Thank you very much for joining us once again, listeners. Best of luck. Hope you have an absolute fill up. Uh, we could possibly have an episode next week. Yes, we do. We're talking about it at Gosford the other night, Blake. Strat- yeah, we the Stratty mm. next week, big week. Yeah, it is. It is. It'll be. It'll be a great weekend next weekend as well. So, just keep the ball rolling. Have a good weekend this weekend, and just throw it all back in next Saturday. So, build up the kitty. Build up the kitty, punters. All for it. All right. Take care. Best of luck on Saturday. <laughs>